Game Boy. Lux, you can right. lead us in. I'm done. Sure. So we're talking about the Snyder Cut, which is Zack Snyder's version of 2017's Justice League, ostensibly directed by Joss, Joss Whedon originally, although there's much debate about everything around this movie. Um, a quick, quick plot summary, and then we're just going to probably jump around based on our thoughts, is uh, Superman's dead now. Uh, he got killed by Doomsday. Big bummer. Batman that, thinks there's a big problem. Was, what? That was the end of, of Batman v Superman. Yes. Dawn of uh, Justice. Mm-hmm. Dawn of Justice. Uh, and so Superman, it should have been, been sort of like the Linklater films. It's like before Justice, Justice at Sunset, Sunrise, Justice. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> sure. You know. Yeah. Dawn of Justice, Noon of Justice, Dusk yeah. of Justice. Just, justice Happy Midnight. Hour. <laughs> justice, a- yeah. justice After Dark. The OGK 3D. All right. So Superman's dead. Batman thinks big problems are on the way. So he's got to put a team together. Who's on his team? Well, Wonder Woman, also Aquaman, also Cyborg shows up, and The Flash. A bunch of scenes happen where they talk to each other. Who cares? Eventually they team up and start fighting Steppenwolf, a boring, bad looking villain. And then they collect some cubes, put together, or he collects some cubes in order to destroy the world with a system called the Unity. Um, left behind by his master, Darkseid, thousands of years ago. Uh, and then they chase him down, fight all over the world, and ultimately Superman comes back to life because of some machinations of Batman and his friends and helps him save the day. I really try to keep this as short as possible because the movie is so fucking long. Oh, yeah, and that's the Whedon cut. None of that happens in the Snyder cut. That's it's a that, completely that, different movie. Well, that, that's, not, fair, that's so not true. That's he mentioned Darkseid. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned Dark Side, which is Snyder Cut specific. I mean, the Snyder Cut takes all those events and expands on them immensely. But you also said that that uh, Steppenwolf looked horrible, which is the Whedon cut. I think he looks bad in both. Wow. Okay. What? Jeez. I think, right. Well, I think the problem. I guess I know problem, where you stand. I don't think you do. But the problem with Steppenwolf in both cuts <laughs> is not his outfit. It's his dumb guy face. He has dumb guy face, perpetually. He has the face of a stupid man, which makes him a bad villain. He's the face of a sweet boy. Uh, that's just like a generous way of saying stupid man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's an adult baby. Yeah, he's an adult baby, and he looks like an adult baby, which is not what I want a villain to look like. Hmm. I would say this movie is uh, the the best... I would say... No, no. Here's how I put it. It is uh, the it is one of the only perfect movies that I have a bunch of complaints about. Totally. I think that's an excellent way. Of, it's an excellent way of putting it. Yeah. I wanted to sort of before we get into the plot and stuff. I know Lux wanted to give, I guess, a, a breakdown of the of the weeding cut. Was that what you were summarizing that's, that's, at the top? That's there? the events. That's the events of this movie. I don't yeah. think you paid a lot of attention. That's exactly what happened in the Snyder cut. Yeah. Well, I. Well, I okay. All right, so we were summarizing it, but now, yes. okay, now we're getting into it. I see. Okay, all right. I thought we were just going to start. Should we the, go? I, I literally said chapter. I'll write up it. I literally said I'll write up an intro, and you said good idea. <laughs> oh, I see. Should that's should we go chapter by chapter? <laughs> yeah, that's not. <laughs> I I didn't mean I didn't mean write down the plot of the movie and then start the podcast just listing the events. I might keep literally it on the side just to keep us on just to keep us on track. I literally said I'll I'll read you. Th- we don't have to read you the messages. But that's literally what I said I was going to do, and you said okay, good idea. Should we review the messages? 
Chat, you decide. Should we look back at the messages? Are All we right. getting the Lux cut or the Griffin cut of this episode? We're, well, we're much like much like the Snyder cut. We're getting something that you know is forever changed because of production. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know that that was the plot of the film. This is a four-hour movie, and normally with uh, a lot of our Game Boys uh, film reviews, we like to take it from the beginning all the way through the end. But that is impossible with this film because it's it's such an it's such a long experience. Um, that you, we, don't, we don't want to do that. Uh, so we will go through like the major points of the film, but I wanted to step back for a second and, and just think about sort of um, the conversations around the existence of the movie uh, before we talk about the movie itself. Now, Marvel and DC have been, um, you know, since the beginning of time, sort of at each other's throats, deciding which one is better. Um, and um, sort of, you know, getting into fanboy arguments. And I think the thing that I noticed the most about the discourse around the film is that in, in a way, these like these different fandoms um, have sort of like modernized their their sort of arguments against each other. Um, and now it's like all about saying that, like, well, if you like this one, you're a bad person. And if you like this one, you're, uh, you know, a loser or something. Uh, and, 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 and I think there's like um, there's like an attached like morality to which one of these baby things you like. What do you guys think about this? <laughs> I mean, it's true. And it's also hilarious because like as far as morality there, neither one takes like a very compelling moral position on anything. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're right. That people have like I, made it into a moral argument in a way that is weird and uncomfortable i mean mostly the movies are like like hey guys teamwork right mm -hmm. uh i think that's all marvel and all dc movies are like you know what why don't we put our differences aside and just work together on this crazy planet mm -hmm. uh but it, i mean it is interesting because it is a thing where i would say before this movie it was kind of like it, you know, like everyone's a Marvel fan, and if you were a DC fan, a DC fan, and not, not, I think that's something separate from like a Batman fan. If you were a DC fan, you were kind of a psychopath. Hmm. But this movie, I think, changed everything. <laughs> and I'm not talking Justice League, I'm talking Snyder Cut. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, I think that's important yeah. to flag at the top is that the Snyder Cut is indisputably a much, much better version of this movie than the version of this movie. Um, and so, like, yeah. this is sort of a template of, in some ways, of what superhero movies can be and can do in ways that I think we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That makes uh, it very interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I'll say this is, is the Snyder Cut is four hours long. Uh, if you asked me today which one was a shorter movie, I would say this. I, I would think the Snyder Cut was a shorter movie than the original cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the original cut mm -hmm. has like no momentum behind it at all. No, it's it has uh, it has such a lack of dramatic action that at work we were able to make a twelve like a fifteen minute video explaining dramatic action in the context of how Justice League doesn't have any. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and um. I, I also think, though, that like people there was a lot of people who were like very loudly against the Snyder Cut and all those people were huge Marvel fans. They're they're going off about like Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now, um, but they're talking about how 
the only reason the Snyder Cut exists is based on this idea that a bunch of people were toxic enough online to pr bully studio executives into like spending 80 million more dollars to make a bunch of money. Uh, and so I thought that was such an interesting, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I think bully, we, bully awareness, but <laughs> are we canceling these bullies? <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to gain some followers. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I just, I thought that was such a fascinating sort of obviously not true narrative. And I'm like, I'm wondering like, where do you guys think that stuff comes from? Is it all just like this, like rivalry to like make the other side seem like the shitty fandom? Well, I mean, I, I think there definitely is like like with any sort of fandom and we, and we see it in so many ways and in sports and in politics, there is this thing of like creating the narrative that like anything that the other side is doing is evil, you know, like anything the rival team is doing is that 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 team and, and like I participated in it like uh you know like and i'd say we, we saw this a lot with like with trump and uh we see it a lot with with biden like anything political but like it you know like in like a more base level like you know i'm a i'm a fan of the new england patriots because i'm from massachusetts and i have defended many cheating allegations and stuff and such and been like eh, it's not as bad as i seem and everyone does it but as soon as like the fucking new york yankees have something go down i'm like yeah what a bunch of assholes you know mm -hmm. i'm so willing to like pump up a, a rival team's bad you know you know like bad mojo you know like anything that happens with them any sort of maybe it maybe it affirms uh, your choice be like oh i picked the right guys like it's like it's like it's like yeah. affirming in that sense too um and, yeah, so and, i think it, you know. it happens with all of this stuff uh -huh. yeah and, and i do see people respond to me like in the chat being like well snyder cut fans were horrible people though and i and i can and i can agree with you that i like i totally believe that you met a snyder cut fan online that said something awful but i would argue that marvel fans are just as toxic and i can find you toxic marvel fans too so it's a little like absurd to like be like oh because there are people online that i found that are bad like everyone who wanted to see this movie who liked this movie um, is just like this like anime avatar Twitter poster that like, you know, called me a slur online. Like, I think it's like an absurd generalization uh, when it seemed like a lot of normal people really like this movie and a lot of people who don't even care about the superhero genre enjoyed this film too. Right. Well, I think there's, I think you're characterizing this semi-accurately. The one thing you're right about is a lot of people who didn't give a shit and a lot of people generally liked this movie. But before COVID, like in the initial Snyder Cut push was led by like weird 4chan alt-right guys. Like that's just provably historically the case. Um, the thing that is significant here and the interesting thing about this is that they have nothing to do with why it got made, right? Because why it got made is COVID happened. And HBO Max has seen this opportunity with not just this movie, with 10 and with other stuff to throw a bunch of money at big releases and use that to bring people into their service. Um, and they've made a fuck ton of money doing it. And that's why this happened. Not because a bunch of toxic dudes liked it a bunch. The, the flip to that is that a bunch of toxic dudes are going to look at this and be like, we did it. We're the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But like mission accomplished. 
Yeah, and there and there and that's going to be shitty, but that's inevitable. No matter, like literally, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the characterization of the reaction being a bunch of toxic people celebrating the victory is incorrect because, like, I didn't want a Snyder cut. I didn't give a shit about a Snyder cut, but like, I got it and I enjoyed it in a lot of ways. Also, didn't enjoy it in a lot of ways, but I think it's a worth having movie. And I think that there's a real reductive. I do think you're right that the re- people are reducing the reaction by just being like, it's they're bad people. Mm-hmm. But, um, instead of engaging with the actual movie, mm-hmm. yeah, and the in the actual movie it couldn't be it like detoxifies the original. It gives like you know, yeah. it gives a, a black character a real story. Um, it makes uh, it makes a female superhero look more powerful than she's been in any of her standalone films. Like it, it, it it's like the exact opposite of like what you would expect like a toxic like movie you'd expect like this to be like fight club or something i don't know like it's not um and, and so yeah it's it's an it's an interesting uh confluence of events um and, and yeah maybe i am underplaying part of the inciting incident but i i think i'm simply more reacting to like um wh- like where the film is like like now and yeah. and also reacting to like i don't know what a genuine story i felt this was a man went through the most tragic thing you can go through as a father and like in like is just filled with grief. And then a studio just kind of took his thing and just made a, a, one of the worst movies ever made out of it. And he's like coming back to this project with all of that energy, all of that grief and, and coming back to the world to create something unlike anything ever made before. I think that's like such a, I don't know, inspiring story. Yeah, I, I do think it's crazy the degree that which people are willing to like punt punt this like to the sidelines and be like yeah who cares because like it's a crazy cool thing that happened like it's it's a moving and cool story like irrespective of how you feel about the movie Mm -hmm. how 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 much like shit do you think he must have felt the first time he saw the whedon cut (laughs) i wonder if he's seen it like having seen both yeah he has to have. Uh, he made he a re-edited he made yeah. a movie. He re-edited yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I do think when it like first came out, I think it was when it first came out, his wife was like, you don't watch this. Because mm-hmm. she was still the producer on both versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think she told him not to watch it. I don't think he did for a pretty long time, if I remember correctly, from a recent profile. He like did not watch it on its like premiere release, etc. Right. Yeah. Um, so wow. guys. Welcome to Game Boys. This is Sam Brown from Whitest Kids You Know, Sam. and we got uh, me, Griffin, and, and and I'm Lux, and I'm also here. And Haley, our producer, is awesome, but she's off this week, and uh, it's all up to me, baby. Hope my computer doesn't crash right now. Um, we're gonna keep going to the movie. Sam. That was some of the discourse around it, but now I want now I want Sam's big take about the actual piece of art, the movie itself. Like, like, what did you feel? Like, where did this movie succeed? Where did it fail? I mean, like the, I, you know, I was, I, I, I don't know if I've talked about this before. I'm not a fan of the new Star Wars movies. And part of my thing with the new Star Wars movies is like, I thought there's like all this, uh, this insane hype around it. Like everyone's like, oh, we're getting the old Star Wars back. We're finally, because it, it they like, just like stayed within the aesthetic of the old star wars movies and i actually think that like they did nothing with the characters and the characters in those those star wars you know like seven eight nine are just so bland and there's no real story there and i it was really interesting because i thought the original justice league movie i was one of the worst movies ever i thought it was and I've said this to you before. I thought it was like the, a facade of a movie. 
Like it's like the movie you would the see movie in a movie within a movie. It's the movie that in a people movie. were watching. That's what I thought was yeah, a if great you're at movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like just there's nothing there. It's just like on the surface <laughs> level, it's like quick mom's home. P- make a movie on the screen uh, this movie uh and it, it really was amazing to me that like i sat there and watched it and it was like as slow as it was as like you know like just like oh like self-indulgent it was there's all these music video scenes and stuff totally. but it, it just like was really simple it really was like oh we're going from point a to point b and some of the scenes that they added were really like had like just kind of like simple ideas you could wrap your head around and there was still a sense of humor to it but it wasn't like the joss whedon thing where it was trying to do the marvel sense of humor where everyone was kind of sarcastic and like everyone was like um what you know, like Every, and, everyone's like CEO at Snark University. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Marvel line because like, it literally makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you have to be dean, right, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aside from like Prager universities, don't have CEOs. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, like, continue. is that a Marvel line? <laughs> no but it just would be it's like a perfect example. Uh, oh, I, I, oh, yeah, I just yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just leaked falcon and winter soldier episode two. <laughs> oh. uh but but yeah uh like like the the hot dog scene sure. i at there's like this uh, we'll talk about the, the yeah, introduction about to the flash there's he's walking into a job interview they have these small little like kind of tongue-in-cheek moments of he's late he's talking fast it's kind of he passes this this girl who apparently i wasn't aware of this but apparently she's a uh his wife in the comic books or the woman who becomes his wife in the comic books they have a flirty moment and uh she gets in a car accident outside and the a truck hits a hot dog cart and smashes into her car he runs out and he goes to save her and in the middle of him saving her and like already you're like oh uh uh zack snyder was like i've seen so much slow-mo in this movie that like this guy was made to make to to tell a story through the flash a a character that exists in slow-mo you know Mm -hmm. yeah where like uh and and so he's going to save this girl and he's looking at like how pretty she is. And you realize there's this funny thing where it's like, it's the flash. He doesn't have to be in a hurry to save this girl. And he takes a moment. He looks at her. He gets the hair out of her face. And then he sees a hot dog flying through the air and he puts it in his pocket. And it's like, that's such a weird joke that he's <laughs> all of a sudden like, Oh, I'm saving this girl. Oh, I'm hungry. And then, uh, uh, he, he saves her and you think he's just disappeared from the interview because he flashed out and everything like that. And then they reveal that, no, he didn't disappear. He's like, he was interviewing as a dog walker and he's using the hot dog to feed the dogs and make it look like the dogs like him to. And it's like, that's like such a good button on that scene. It's such a good, like they got that idea in there with a laugh, with a joke of this Mm -hmm. hot dog thing 
that played out in the end and it's it's a cool scene it's a cool introduction scene and i don't think the original justice league had a single cool introduction scene and also like they were made me realize is like that movie is not meant to be told in two hours because it's trying to be uh it's trying to be uh avengers but avengers had three four movies leading up to it that introduced characters that introduced characters like Hawkeye, like, uh, um, you know, of course, Iron Man, of course, uh, Thor, uh, and then, uh, uh, Captain Captain America, America. but you you also got Iron Man and, um, Black Widow and, and then Colson and all these, (laughs) these people that Nick you're is there if you're, like all these characters the how were, i met your mother were, character robin right. is there yeah she's like a canadian no ted. Pop star. yeah i don't know uh yeah uh, ted was killed in the events of avengers one uh yeah I, no i think that's yeah. like that's my biggest takeaway too and i think this point we talked about before sam is that my the biggest flaw with the film is that it is trying to do the work of all the movies that became before Avengers, but putting them into the Avengers movie as well. And I think because of that, um, the movie never gets to fully sell us on the team dynamic. The thing that is Justice League, these characters interacting and having relationships and making choices together, we're actually spent time on all their individual stories, which are well done and interesting and and just like something you can, you know, simple, but that you can like track and sink your teeth into. I never got to feel like this is the vibe of what the Justice League hanging out or like doing stuff together is going to be. And it's like I'm now I feel like I need Justice League too just to see what what that's like. Um, And I think, yeah, that's like a tough movie to make. Um, Probably an impossible movie. Right. I think that actually ends up for me being like a pretty devastating flaw with this movie because it kind of for me like ruins a lot of the back half because what you want in a team movie is like the team gets together. They have interpersonal problems. Those problems make it hard for them to be a team and be good at stuff together. Right. Then they get over those problems and then they're really good at being a team. But instead, this movie is five people get together, have perfect fight coordination the first time they try and fight. Mm-hmm. Later, continue to have perfect fight coordination, but also Superman is there. Yeah. Um, And that just doesn't have any juice for me. Like there are things about this movie that I really love. And I think my sort of big takeaway on this movie to follow up on Sam's is like, I think this movie is not a particularly good movie, but I think this movie also proves Martin Scorsese's point about Marvel movies. A hundred percent correct. That like just, just having a single like clear directorial voice and thematic and stylistic voice throughout the movie gives it so much more spirit and energy and makes it such a more fun thing to engage with than just like whatever gets cranked out at the Marvel factory that like, even though this movie isn't to me particularly good for reasons we can get into and it is still way more successful and interesting and intellectually resonant with me than most than a large chunk of Marvel movies, just because there is some there there in a way that there isn't with a lot of Marvel. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's like th- this made me really want to watch Justice League Unlimited again, because like that was a cartoon show where the Justice League all like hang out. They sit around a table, their personalities clash and like bounce off of each other. Like it's like it's a very fun thing. And we never got there in the film. And that ultimately is like it's like fatal flaw. But but yeah, this movie to me just still felt refreshing. 
it looked different and the action if we're just taking it as a big dumb explosive thing was so much better directed and charted um yeah. than most marvel films which i feel like are just characters like i feel like in a marvel film like when we look at the infinity war meme and like that final battle it really just feels like they're taking action figures and like smushing them against each other um whereas in a lot of the scenes in the snyder cut there is like a clear conflict that is like heightened with more and more obstacles that the characters are like trying to get through that's like charted and interesting and specific and and i think if anything like this proves that like snyder knows how to direct satisfying action and make it look and feel substantive and it isn't just the visuals that he changed but the way that he edits and writes these action sequences that makes them better yeah yeah i mean there there it is so like the ending of the movie is so simplified and so like hey there's this thing we have to do and like oh something happened so it's harder for us to do that thing we were trying to do and oh we're not going to pull off that thing uh and then we're doing this other thing that we set up earlier that like it's like oh that's that's an easy pill to swallow and it's it's all like like also even though it's just like hey we're just hitting that this has some like this has to do with the character's own fears and kind of relatable mental quirks. It, it just still like it gives it forward motion. Yeah. It gives it, it, you have an idea about where the movie is headed and what it's saying. And, and you don't know like exactly how it's going to do it, but you know, and there, there was great like moments within that. Totally. Yeah, I totally. Had some, I, I had some beefs with the ending, but we can talk yeah. about those later. But one the, thing about we'll say for the ending, the ending yeah. <laughs> one thing about yeah. the ending that I think gets to what Sam you're talking about is that it's a much more confident climax than the Justice League Whedon version. And the way you can sort of definitely tell that yeah. that's true is that in the Whedon version, they tack on this like weird family that lives in the nuclear zone that yeah. like they also have cool. to be saving at the same time as doing the climax fight. Mm -hmm. And that's so like oh, we don't think the climax fight has the juice to carry this moment, so we're adding an extra layer of drama that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Mm -hmm. And this movie was like, no need for that shit. Like, the well, climax is the climax, that's what we're focusing on. And that kind of confidence and specificity, unearned or not, is is compelling. Yeah, and I mean, like, well, like, like that's like the thing is, is, is with removing uh, the cyborg storyline is... You know, the Ray Fisher's cyborg character is basically like a brooding teenager. It's basically like, fuck you, dad. I hate that you sent me to a good college. Like that kind of attitude of like, I've got, I'm so upset about mom being dead. I've got so much pressure in my life and you don't get me. And uh, that's a universal thing. That's something that, that like people understand. People growing up get that like that push and pull from your parents and it's just like we like they put that family in because they didn't have anything that people could relate to mm -hmm. and they they had to be like hey let's put this 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 group of people in and then people can be like oh i would be scared if i was in that room Mm -hmm. yeah right. th that yeah. that dad character confused me he was like 
I I saved you, but then I gave you like the responsibility of the entire world. And I was like, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> like, like it was a we- it was a weird relationship. Like he turned him into like basically like the guy who can like turn all the nukes on and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what you could have just made him a robot. <laughs> like you didn't have to do the second part. Yeah, that's your teenage son or whatever. Like, that's like, have you met Could a Could he have just made him a robot? To ah, that's science true. Griffin? I, actually, I don't. I'm you talking know? out of my, my, my element I mean, again. To be fair, he, he turned him from... Cube. He turned him from most of an upper body into just a face. So, like, <laughs> I think that he had some pretty solid tech on that front. Because when he's hanging in there, it's like he's got most of his chest and arms. And by the time he's done being roboted, that man's Ray Fisher's face and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know what's under the robot stuff. I think there might be some body under there. Yeah. There's like a glowing red core. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. True. So, so true. this movie is packed with moments and there's too much to go through. So I thought a fun thing would be to, if we kind of went like round robin in a circle and we did like some like a, like we could start with like let's each talk about a favorite moment and let's talk about a bad moment we didn't like. So there, there's eight eight segments we could talk we could talk about each segment do you want to i mean i it's like we've already done a, almost half an hour is the thing all right, all right is, okay, it, okay i just we'll, we'll, we literally will do two hours then if, if that's are we gonna can we talk about the one thing i'll ask about is can we talk about the epilogue separately yes, yes. the epilogue i want to be yeah. like all its own conversation just yeah. like it should be yeah mm-hmm. just like it is in the movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah but uh, so Sam, what was like a what was a moment? What was one of your favorite moments in the film? Um, hmm. let me see. Do you know? Do you know what was? Uh, uh, this is just like like so like little kid like huh, that was that was neato <laughs> kind of thing. But the uh, uh, the Superman, I'm not impressed. Line. I would say no. Actually, actually, I take that back. I, I really liked Superman in this movie as, as a whole. Like, uh, I, I thought there were a lot of fun moments that they did with the character. Uh, you know, for some reason, the him coming back and attacking them uh, hit me a lot better this time around. Where before, I think I was like kind of into it, but uh, it just was broken up. Now it's like th- it felt a lot more dangerous this time. I liked that like uh, I read that in the original, the Joss Whedon one, that he had that Batman brought Lois Lane there just as a uh, you know, like a insurance plan. Sure. And I like that they set it up that she goes to his memorial often. And yeah. It's like kind of like, oh, just by chance she was there. But also it's like they went through the work of telling us she would be there early on. So I give them credit for that. Um, but the the moment where the where the flash where Superman looks at the flash, I thought was so fun. Oh, yeah. That moment. Rocks. I think that was in both it's in both. But like it just like it worked. It worked really well in this. Like, yeah, it was pretty funny. I, I think, and I was talking to a friend of mine who just watched both versions, and he said the problem is is that the other fight scene in the the weeding cut is like has dialogue throughout it, and is kind of broken up action yeah. and dialogue, and so it has a lot more momentum going into it in this one, and it was just like, I th- it just worked. Yeah, it's just the whole the whole Flash Superman fight is like one of my favorite special effects pieces of that whole movie. The mm-hmm. way they're like 
the dodge speed and like the like how it looks like he's gonna get punched in the head every single time Superman punches and he just barely gets away. That shit ruins <laughs> Um uh, uh you know Sam is getting uh We got a Sam emergency. That that's fine. Uh you know, like Lux, what's one of your favorite moments? Um, I'll talk to you about one that is not going to spark any conversation because uh, Sam's not here, which is there's a, when Superman arrives in at the climax to like fight Steppenwolf. It like cuts down to Diana, to Wonder Woman and Aquaman. And Wonder Woman looks up and it's like got this gold light on her face and she stares up and she's just like, Kal-El. <laughs> and, yeah. and then Aquaman looks up into the same light and just goes, all right <laughs> and that shit fucking rules to me jason momoa like in both versions of justice league jason momoa is in a totally different movie and i and i still want to see the movie that he thinks he's doing because this is like this butt rock like dude punk fucking skinny jeans and wallet chains ass jason momoa in this movie no matter what happens and i i mean the movie is aquaman which fucking rip whips ass is like that's the movie he's in in this movie and it's he's it's such a joy that line is so funny to me <laughs> um, I, I just want to point something out really yeah. quick about uh, aquaman that I, I i love like little details in these huge movies and uh there's something funny where it's like he's saying goodbye jason momoa at the end he's saying goodbye to uh amber heard and willem dafoe in front of like he's like at his fishing town with his people he's going to his dad and there's some like random extra who's like driving this truck and uh he's like all right got jason momoa's like all right gotta go and he goes over to the truck and the does the business of throwing two lobster traps in the back of the truck and i'm like why wasn't the guy loading the lobster traps in while he his friend was talking (laughs) to the king of the sea (laughs) over there like why why (laughs) What is this little extra business that he has to do? Are those his specific lobster traps? <laughs> These are mine. Um, he's, I don't, he's just a fucking joy in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would say he, one of my favorite moments um, is really just like you, you guys mentioned how much you like Superman in this film. One of my favorite moments is the opening with Superman's death whale. Like, like I thought, like oh yeah, I thought opening the film literally on Superman being impaled and his death whale echoing through the world and sort of establishing our world and where all of our characters are. But not only is it establishing characters, but it's sending out a signal, a call. It's an inciting moment that draws in the villains. And so um, Superman's death felt way more resonant and sort of inciting for the story and a lot less random when he started to appear again, like two and a half hours later. Um, and, and like when in the reading cut, Superman reappears and it's like, oh yeah, I forgot Superman's going to be in this movie. But like he is narratively yeah. the reason events are happening in the film. And it just watching it gave me like chills and it gave this driving energy to it that was just like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and to that point, uh, they also use that to introduce Ray Fisher's cyborg character. And it's just like a single shot, but you see him like at home, like kind of, you know, like upset. Mm-hmm. And you see he, he has, he hears the, the moan and like he goes and checks the cube and it's instantly you're like oh this character's in this more 
yeah this yeah. character's here this yeah. character's part of this yeah and this character's like just at home like this character's is like a cyborg but they are starting out in a place that kind of you know like there's something interesting about seeing the character at home and and not being like i wonder if cyborg's going and fighting crime right now i wonder what that character is doing it's like no he's pissed off and he's at home Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Lux, I know you wanted to say more good things. We'll do another round of those. We'll get back to you. But Lux, what is one of the things that pissed you off about this film? Because I know you got some gripes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's one is I was bummed with the final sort with Flash's final action um, or like in the climax. So in the climax, uh, they need Flash to go faster than light to provide a sufficiently large charge to get cyborg into the unity so we can do some like crazy cyber hacking premise level that's totally fine for me i have two problems with how it was executed the first is that earlier in the movie he has to run almost the speed of light and talks about how that's like problematic for him and scary mm-hmm. it's, pro- um, it's problematic he does he'll, it. he'll get canceled if he does right it. it's he can't yeah. do that at open mics anymore <laughs> Yeah, no, you can't go. You can't go that close to you, speed of light. You used to be able light. to go to speed of light at, at the store, at the factory, no more. <laughs> um, but he does it, and he has like no real negative consequence to him mm-hmm. um, when he goes almost speed of light. And then instead, uh, and then when he has to go speed of light in the movie, he gets shot right before it happens uh, mm-hmm. with a laser, and then he just like do it just by being shot. That just seems like a very lazy workaround to a much better dramatic structure, which is he tries to go almost the speed of light, succeeds fucks himself up real bad, then has to go even faster later and like overcome that barrier in a meaningful way. Instead, they dramatize by being like, wouldn't it be hard because he got shot? And it's that kind of like corner cutting, like not tying together these like dramatic beats because like a lot of the beats I want this movie to do and connect are already in the movie. They just like choose not to connect them a lot of the time. And it's very frustrating to watch. Um, And that one really stood out to me because it was like, oh, I can see in my head the version of this that makes sense. It's just one more scene where the flash is like, I really got fucked up really bad before. Um, And then this all kind of adds up to me, but instead they dramatize it with like some scug just shoots him while he's moving close to light speed of the laser. Like it's like, that would work for me at all. I would beg to, I, I would argue that in that, like it's such an abstract concept, him getting hurt by going faster than the speed of light. And it's like, uh, is that gonna be fun to watch? Is him getting fucked up by going faster the speed of light? I mean, I think you, I think you could do it in a totally fun way. I think you'd do it like he crashes and gets hurt, or maybe like it opened, like, or you'd go real comic book shit, and he runs so fast it opens like a brief portal into a different reality, and he sees something scary, and it freaks his being. Yeah, like I, there's the, a, the more, the more flash goes down. With the, Sorry, go ahead. Your problem with the four-hour movie is that it's not four hours and fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, I mean, well, no, it's that it's where it's how they spent those four hours and what DNA they chose to like connect or not connect. You know, like it just feels like they had the two the two bookends to like a dramatic growth arc that were really really clear and clean, like you were saying, a really clean A to B. Um, but they just don't have the actual movement in the middle and just sort of skip over it. My big thing and with that's... the Flash's story is he's friends with billionaire Bruce Wayne who can get his dad out of jail at any time. Like Bruce Wayne is a billionaire. It's like, come on. Like they like at this point, get your dad out of jail. You're one of the most powerful people on the planet. Jail is for suckers. It's like this movie respects jail in a way I don't like. 
<laughs> How'd you get your dad out of jail? I bought the jail. Yeah, exactly. Anything, <laughs> I, anything like that would be I, cool. I bought, I bought the country. I, and I'm also, I'm a little sympathetic to Lux, but I think anytime I think too much about um, Flash's powers, it starts to be like when people debate time travel in movies, and it just starts to feel like white noise to me. I don't care. He's the fast guy. Let's it's move not his along. Powers. It's just dramatizing it. Like For that's sure. the thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like the same way they don't dramatize the team growing. Like the, the, the things that Zack Snyder chooses to really give okay, a shit about are not the things that like juice my my goose for watching a movie. Okay, Sam, what is one thing you thought was bad in this movie? Uh, I'm gonna go simple here. I'm gonna say how much the Batman wore sunglasses in the end. Uh, you you <laughs> mentioned this to me. Looked good. I agree. Didn't I, think they looked didn't, good. Yeah. You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. They're like Batman Oakleys. They're they're Boakleys. They're like uh, I don't. It was yeah. It was like uh, he 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 acted with like a helmet on. He's like Judge Dredd. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see those Affleck eyes. <laughs> yeah. No no uh, Dunkin' Donuts references, unfortunately. Um, how a sociopath one. behaves knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah both you guys uh have a lot in common um so uh you know uh, i would say a bad moment for me was while i liked a lot of the visual changes in the film dark side visually felt very uninspired my man just looked like a walking meatball um and it just was like it looked so similar to thanos that i was like there are other directions you can go. I know he looks like that in the comics and everything, but it just, it, it felt very like, yeah, it just felt very, you know, I wasn't excited looking at dark side that often. Um, and I That's felt the same true. about Martian Manhunter. I, I really mm -hmm. hated um, Martian. Now listen, Lux was going off in the DMS when Martian Manhunter appeared. He's like one of my favorite characters on justice league too. He's this sort of weird aloof guy, but that has a very human quality to him. Um, and, uh, I didn't really get that energy from the character. It just sort of felt like, uh, I, I didn't get the energy and I didn't like the visual of Martian Manhunter or dark side. That's my problem. Yeah. So, I got a question for the chat, maybe for you guys. I just watched uh, um, uh, Man of Steel last night. I'm like so invested in the Snyderverse. I'm going back <laughs> through it. Uh, so that Martian Manhunter guy, the the guy he takes the form of is in Man of Steel. Yeah. Is is that has he always been? Is is he Martian Manhunter in Man of Steel, or is it something like where it was that, him? It was him the whole is, time. That is him. You got to assume it was him the whole time. He, Otherwise, he's, he has like, not been helping for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, he's just been keeping an eye on stuff. <laughs> the whole planet was going to be terraformed it's, it's, into Krypton, and he was like, "Not yet." <laughs> I mean, he's scared of fire. You know, just there's a like that's a really that's a really limiting super weakness. When it, fire um yeah uh so so i guess that was that was one that really uh ticked me off um so what's another round of, of good ones lux what's a good one um i really had a lot of fun with uh the fight scene in the tunnel in this one the first their first team fight scene um even though it is like it, it is. It embodies a lot of my complaints about the pacing of the drama in this movie. But just as a fucking action sequence, it whipped ass. Like so many of the things that the Whedon cut gets wrong with the action sequences, like 
singles of Batman shooting a gun at bad guys off screen, which is some of the worst shit in the universe, um, is just totally done away with. Like all the good fun parts, like the Flash tapping the sword back to Diana and like yeah. her doing cool jump fights, that's all in there. And then it in in the original cut, I'm I'm making these comparisons because I just watched both for work. Um, in the original cut, those moments feel like they're just sort of jammed into a different, more boring fight scene. And like this is the fight scene those moments like are from. Totally. Like everything feels heightened. Everything feels like powerful and full of movement everyone's choice makes sense. Like even to a degree of characterizing them in certain ways, like cyborg wants to rescue the people. He's not fully committed to the team yet. Flash just wants to help everyone. Batman's trying to outsmart these bad guys, but like doesn't have the juice. Cause he's just a guy. Diana's like insanely brave. Like it all comes out and they all have really cool moments. And I thought that like, that was the part where I was like, okay, if this movie can like dramatize from here to the end, I'm going to be very in on this. And it, wasn't super successful at that, but like totally. that moment I was like, fucking, this is cool as shit. Like this is he's like, that's him 300 ing superheroes. And like, mm-hmm. that's what the Snyder cut should be is 300 ing superheroes. Yeah. Um, and like, that was like the quintessence of it for me. And I fucking, I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I got a question about that scene was, uh, as compares to the or- original cut was the moment where they crossed the gap. Was that in the original cut? Um, which were like they do the jump and everyone shows off their different power oh yeah no i don't think it was mm-hmm. i like um, that i did too I think <laughs> there was, that was like an interesting like bit of storytelling and like hey let's show something that says something about these characters yeah like that's and, yeah. i wish there'd been more more of those moments in combat later it's, although there's another really yeah. good one Mm-hmm. There's another really good one, the Superman at the end that we could talk about. The Superman and Steppenwolf has a really has some really good characterizing action in it. Yeah, that one's good. I would say yeah, another favorite yeah. moment is just just Steppenwolf. I again, just like the team, I the more of the movie should have been about him, but just the simple change of like a scene early on where Steppenwolf, after being scary, talks to his boss and asks if he can just go home after thousands of years of destroying planets for this man. Like, just the sort of sadness and sort of bleakness of his life. He, You know, he was a general who's lost the will to fight, and he just wants to go home to his planet again. And something about that was just like, boom, I'm like all in on this character now. And, and oftentimes I was like watching the film being like, God, I hope Steppenwolf gets out of this all right. And uh, he didn't. <laughs> no, that's another one of my favorite parts is how he dies. That shit rules. Yeah, he just gets yeah, absolutely that's... like lo- head lopped into a portal. It was so cool. Yeah. Um. And, the, and then like his boss is like, ah, oh, I'm going to fucking stomp on this dude's head. It's yeah. crazy that that dude's been out there grinding planets for like centuries and then decides like, you still owe 50,000 planets. It's like, <laughs> what? number did he start with yes like holy moly yeah that's a lot unless of he work sucks at it unless he like super sucks at it which might be what the movie's trying to say because the movie does kind of like ralph wiggum steppenwolf kind of a little bit <laughs> well here this is one thing with with both movies that i'm kind of like i it's a choice you know but like i i i you know, a lot of times I'll see these characters that they'll throw in movies and I'll be like, have I seen this character in the comic books before? Have I seen them? And Steppenwolf is just a guy, right? Like, he's like a guy with a, a funny hat. Yeah. And they were like, no, he's a monster. 
Um, I think okay. Steppenwolf does in the comics, like is a is like a dark side guy in the comics, but like not at the scale as in the movie. No, yeah, he is. A, he's one of the new gods. I thought he was one of the new gods. Mm-hmm. So, um, Obi says he's a, a dude yeah, in the comics. He's a, like he's like he's, he's, new, he's got a goatee. Yeah, he's a new god. Mm-hmm. Um, new, new god alert. Um, yeah. So you know, th- those are some of our sort of collected like middle moments. But we, let's talk a little bit, I guess, about the the finale moments and then uh, this sort of end epilogue chapter. Uh, the finale like uh, was a big sort of CGI display, but I thought it was just like tracked and edited better, so I didn't have that many problems with it. Um, it did seem like a little too much was happening. There was like first. First, like the the Flash had to like redo the world, and then, uh, what's his face, uh, Ray had to like fight the Cube Witches in his memory. Like there was a lot of like scenes happening at once there. Um, but it didn't bother me. I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, everything leads up. I I, I liked that that order though. Like I I liked that you you got to see everyone fail, and and also that earned us the um uh, both cyborg and superman having their skin put back on their bones oh that looked nuts yeah that was sweet yeah that was sweet and then it also it also set up and made really fun the cyborg or superman showing up and being like steppenwolf you are nothing to me and that fight is incredible yeah when he just absolutely like just punks he he cuts his horn off i was so sad And like uh, the line is not impressed, right? Yeah. Like he he takes the axe on the the shoulder, not even like he doesn't catch it. He just takes it in in the collarbone. Mm-hmm. Like people break their collarbones all the time. Like oh, people yeah. break their collarbones without falling down. Their muscles just break it. Superman, he gets an axe to it. He's like not impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he just blows on it, turns it to ice, and breaks it. And it's like that fucking rules. Like that's. That was really good in terms of situating Steppenwolf like cosmically. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, he's like a tough guy to like meta humans on Earth, but he's not like a god god. Yeah. Because uh, Superman is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, he got nerfed. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's this finale um, and poor Steppenwolf's head is lopped off. And the day is saved, even if we don't really know how, what any of these Justice League members think about each other. It, they're all kind of standing next to each other and the sun is uh, is rising, yeah. uh, right? There is such a silly... Sorry, this is just a little bit early. There's such a silly scene, speaking of them not understanding each other. There's such a silly exchange where Wonder Woman and Aquaman are talking and she's like, I can't believe I'm hanging out with an Atlantean. He's like, yeah, I don't really care about them or like, I've never been a part of that world. Yeah. And she's like, wow, but the two of us are here together. I wonder if we can figure it out. And he's like, again... Do not care. I'm fine. Yeah, he's, and then at the he's end like, of the we scene, didn't mention that conflict to the audience. Shut up. Like the audience yeah. doesn't know what you're talking about. We don't have and time to set that, that scene, up. Yeah. And then they have like the line where they say the same phrase and she's like, wow, I guess we're not so different after all. <laughs> it's like all that's happened in this scene is Aquaman being like, I don't care. We're not that different. And it's like, it's like that that makes me feel crazy watching this movie. Someone, someone like, on Twitter said that Gal Gadot is doing the acting stylings of Tommy Wiseau. She kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Like big, I mean, broad, like, big I did not hit music. her. I did not. <laughs> her doing the whole like explanation 
was like pretty rough. Yeah. The whole like like all the pipe she's laying down early, like like the the exposition of like like the Atlanteans and the humans and the the Amazonians teamed up, and it was that was like it's like couldn't we have had a different character do this? Like yeah, I mean uh, uh, yeah, that's the thing is like uh, I, I she she. She's just like not that great of an actress, but I do think that like that opening scene where she like saves that like entire mass shooting by deflecting every <laughs> bullet with the automatic rifle was like it yeah, got yeah. me so jazzed. I was yeah. like on the edge of my seat, like hell yeah, like it just then, like made oh, her seem I, powerful. And then she lies that to that girl. A, yeah, a silly thing though is 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 the 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 terrorists there. It's like the perfect like comic book movie terrorists. Hey, we're the the group of freedom uh you know like freedom of tomorrow fighters and we want to blow up technology yeah we hope that there's never a dc movie made ever again and how are we gonna do it we're gonna kill a bunch of kids they're just so like generic like we hate what what you all stand for I I do People think though, like comparing like, movie. but like when I look at when I watch that, I totally agree with you. It it is like the perfect type of like, how do we do the most apolitical shooting terrorist ever? Yeah, and, which is funny. But, yeah, totally. um, but uh, you know, I I think of that scene, and it's placed exactly in the same moment of a film where the scene in Wonder Woman 84 in the mall they're basically identical narratively it's like Wonder Woman's back in the world and here's how she kicks ass but they just they just like the 1984 Wonder Woman just pales in comparison to this scene um because there um there are like heightening stakes with the the bomb ticking down this guy turning his gun to automatic so she's got to hit it block every bullet she's got to burst through the roof to throw the bomb in the air like there's all these like kind of ramping narrative stuff it just it's just such a better scene and she just like at the end of it when she like def like blows her energy out and the whole floor comes out of the building and like cr you get that wide of it just crashing yeah. out into the street and it's like oh like this is like the coolest she's ever fucking loved yeah it gets her yeah, over she really just good. killed that dude yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah okay yeah people are so mad that like wonder woman like killed people in this movie or like that batman like shoots a gun or something um and i like just have to say that like you guys are showing your asses I, there are comic panels with all of that occurring throughout the history there are different versions of these heroes this is the he version of the hero that does this and i'll have you know that she fought in world war one in the first movie like what yeah. do you think happened in that movie <laughs> like, yeah, like i mean it's, it's like they're i just don't know what they're talking about it's like even if she even if she never actively like goes up and punches them to death, she was blocking so many bullets over the course of the first Wonder Woman. You know she deflected some of those into guys. <laughs> like even if it's by mistake, like yeah. like even just all, the odds are on the side of she killed several people in the first Wonder Woman movies. Didn't see it. Like, but this also this moment again. There's so many weird Snyderisms in this movie, and one of them is that Zack Snyder, much Zack. This is the most like George Lucas Zack Snyder's ever been in that both Lucas and Snyder are incapable of implying stuff. Like they can't evoke a thing. They have to show you the whole fucking thing. Mm -hmm. And like that scene, in the beginning is so like that. Cause it cuts to this crowd all staring at her like, wow. And then a little girl's like, can I be like you? And she's like, you can be anything you want, which is a fucking lie. Cause she's magical and the child's not. And we have the same shit earlier with like all the women singing at Aquaman 
or like the Amazon sending <laughs> she, off a she, special she, she should have <laughs> kneeled down and said, no, you cannot. You cannot they be just cut, what you want. You should, should just be, cut away at all the people looking at her. You should be like, a cashier. <laughs> I'm not saying she should like, I'm not saying she should like Mark, like Mark Fisher, capitalist realism, this person, but like, <laughs> like she, they just cut away before that conversation. It's the same thing with Aquaman, the singing ladies. Give me 10 seconds of that and cut away. Like there's so much of this where it's like, we, Oh, he yeah. successful. He successfully makes the point of the scene and then continues the scene for several minutes. And it's like that. No, I, de- I definitely watched that four hour four hour movie and was like, this could have been a three hour movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think it's definitely true. It's definitely better than the two hour movie, though. Yeah, uh, no, no I doubt. think it's it's fu- it's funny that that Wonder Woman doesn't make sense. It, it's because it's like she, you know, you see in 1984 she was working at a museum and like this like archaeologist so she's just working at a different museum don't people notice aren't people like hey you look exactly like that person that worked at that other museum fucking you know 40 years ago and not just not just museums different museums in the same department right like yeah these museum departments have conferences all over the place every year that everyone has to go to like the least she could be doing is moving from like art history to like science to like outer space to like whatever like natural history shit. But she's in the same department doing the same work. Like there's no the, way the, people have the movie like, should just own it, and there should be like books with pictures of her in it that people are like reading and being like, hey, like like yelling at her and not making the connection. <laughs> like like they just own it. Um, yeah. So you know, there's obviously plenty of other things that occurred in this film. Plenty of good. And some some bad. I'm sure Lux has more gripes, but I do want to get to the epilogue. And um, I don't. I, how do we describe this epilogue? Do we describe it as the dark timeline? What do we? What is this? I I, I like the darkest timeline. Yeah, darkest timeline. Yeah, I think that's a funny. People calling it the nightmare is also fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the nightmare spelled with a K. Yeah. That's oh fun. wow. A fun little move. Um, yeah, there is, um, Batman has a bad dream. (laughs) Um, and it's sort of, uh, it's sort of something that I feel like another bad dream. I feel like I had a bad dream before this bad dream occurred in Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Uh, and this dream was that Superman was going to eventually like just his eyes would go bad, turn red, or, or I don't know. He just would just become evil somehow. And then no one would be able to stop him. And, and that's a lot of the crux of Batman versus Superman. And I think some of the work that happened in this epilogue should have actually been in Batman versus Superman to clarify, like, Batman's rationale. Like, like I think the Joker is missing from Batman versus Superman in a way. Um, but regardless, they're in this crazy desert land. There's parademons everywhere. It looks like Mad Max. And there's a, a crazy eclectic crew. What is it? It's like Batman, the Flash and a few other people. Mira. It's Mira, Deathstroke, Batman, Flash, Cyborg, and the Joker. And the Joker. Um, and uh, wow, Jared Letters Joker, Joker, he's back. Yep, and be- and better than ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy? Whoa, did you enjoy this are. Joker? Because uh, I told you that I was yeah. going to tattoo the the lines of this scene onto my rib cage, just like the whole dialogue, I- all of it, just because every line made my jaw drop so it's it's amazing and and i'll uh this i'm gonna um 
tie it back to the show that I do. Uh, uh, I do a Twitch show on Saturday nights. A lot of you guys in chat know about this uh, called Self Suck Saturdays. And in on Self Suck Saturdays, I was talking to to Trevor about this scene. And Trevor, by the way, loved this movie. Nice. Um, and I was talking to him about this scene, and I was like, "Isn't it crazy that the Joker?" turns to batman and says if you kill me then who's gonna give you a reach around (laughs) and no one in the group believed me that that was actually a line trevor (laughs) and i both insisted it was but still they didn't believe us it seems like something you made up we did a vote in chat it was like a 50 50 wow that's what it came down to no one no one believed us literally unbelievable and then I was telling Emily about it and we were like talking about it and she's like, yeah, it's crazy. And she was like, are we sure that's what he said? <laughs> and we went back and played the scene to make sure that's what he said. And yes, that is what he said. And yes, Jared Leto did improvise that line. Oh, there are articles. That's awesome. There I didn't are know articles that. Of course about he did. that. Thank you for doing that yeah, research. Of course he did. But it, yeah, it, the rest because the rest of that, like the re- a lot of what he says, uh, I'm not in love with Jared Leto's Joker, but a lot of the scripted lines he's saying are like good and compelling. He does a decent job with them. That one is like from butt ass out of nowhere, out like, of nowhere. Like it doesn't really make sense in the but, context. Yeah, like, he kind of no scopes the scene, like the rhythm of the scene just yes. gets like, shot into the ocean. But, but then they both, but then both characters decide to sort of yeah continue to have like scene ending lines at each other because yeah. then Batman responds by saying, "I will fucking kill you." Uh, he literally <laughs> says, "Promise me, I will fucking kill you, and I will make it so slow." He says that. Um, and so it's yeah. like this scene is just two titans saying lines that should never be said so directly at each other. I've just never I've never seen anything like this scene. Um, and, and, and sort of apart from that, I do like Jared Leto's boy Joker in this scene. And, and, and the reason why I thought this kind of energy was missing from Batman versus Superman is because it's very, very clear that in the Snyder verse, this version of the Joker is Robin. Uh, it's very, very clear that this is the version of Robin that got tortured into becoming the Joker and that the original Joker is now dead. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, not just in terms of how Jared is playing it, um, but also why Joker would be even in this scene with Batman, that Batman feels guilty and responsible for what happened to the Joker and that he is bringing him along for whatever this adventure is. Um, oh, I'm not weird. so sh- I'm not so sure about that, and here's why. Ooh. Um, I don't think teen Dick Grayson turned Joker. I think it's Dick Grayson. I think it's um, Dick. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he has a relationship with Harley Quinn, right? But the whole "I'll fucking kill you" line is because the Joker's like, "Ah, oh, you're seeing your your mom died, and then your dad died, and then an adopted son, and then he like then Batman turns is like, uh, one of those people that I held dying in my arms." was harley quinn yeah and she said to kill you and when i do it do it slow and make no mistake i will fucking kill you yeah i still that i still um, think that can mean that she just wants to make sure there's no jokers left uh yeah but it the way he was reacting made it feel like uh made it feel like 
like that was like a direct shot at him. Like mm-hmm. he was reacting very strongly to him saying Harley. I just um, I could be wrong. I, I, I just I, think I don't that in terms of how Jared right is doing it and his performance and then how Batman versus Superman set up that Joker killed Robin sometime before Batman versus Superman because we see the suit in Batman's lair that says jokes on you. So this is all very intentional, it seems to me, to direct towards this storyline. Um, but uh, e- even if it's not, it's 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 just an absurdly fun scene. Cool um, and, and it does bring me to, I guess, my final question for, for Sam of the podcast, because we haven't gone running a little long, is will the future is uncertain, but it seems like, in my opinion, there could be more Justice League movies now. What do you guys think about the future of the Justice League, the future of the Snyderverse? Um, first off, let me say, like, like, I don't know the future. Like, like, I feel like this this movie throws a wrench into the future of Hollywood. Uh, of like, I feel like, like. I, I I haven't seen any of the numbers, but like this movie is hugely successful. Everyone's talking about it. Like the amount of buzz it's getting alone makes it hugely successful. And yeah, or are, are, like it makes me wonder about like are, are they just gonna like let it all go? Like take big role, like be less precious with with their shit because. They can all always is this going to like result in being like, all right, wait, the director's right. We got to give the director more control over their vision. Or is this going to make them like, whatever, fuck it. Nothing matters. We can always just do it again. Uh, um, people pay for it twice. But uh, but, but I, I hope there's a future in the Snyderverse. I hope uh that like we see more of we get to go down this rabbit hole because i think it's a really fun rabbit hole yeah yeah i mean i guess we know that ostensibly like ava duvernay's new gods is coming theoretically next year right um i think there's a second aquaman movie in the works um we've had we got the bad sequel to wonder woman um so like there's stuff happening. They've been saying they're not going to do the Snyder thing, but I do think that like, it's hard to not do the Snyder thing when a lot of people just watched on HBO max. And the most memorable part of the movie is the last 10 minutes where they're doing this, like teasing the sequel. Right. Like it's, it seems like it would be hard to pivot away from that, even though they've made like very clear statements that that's not, that, that they're not going to follow up on it. Um, it's like, even so, it makes it's hard for me to imagine that there would like, that's the thing, right? Is like now is there just going to be pushed back to every studio decision? Like every single time a movie comes out, yeah. Twitter is going to be like, release the second Snyder cut, release the air cut, like whatever. Like, air cut. Time. I mean, like no air one needs cut. That. <laughs> like people want the David air I, cut of fucking yeah, Suicide Squad crazy. now. It's insane. And I'm sure they're going to release it. And I'm sure because this was good, they're good. It's gonna like be successful in the way that uh you know like people will watch it and talk about it but i'm not sure it'll be good or i'm sure it won't be good yeah it's it's just it's an interesting thing to me yeah um i want this to because like i was talking about this with a friend earlier that like where marvel went like truly fucked up and like where marvel became when 
when Marvel went on this trajectory towards becoming very overall boring was like the moment they took Edgar Wright off of Ant-Man because he was doing too much Edgar Wright stuff. And they were like, no, there's a limit on how much we're going to let directors drive the car on these movies. Or like with Solo with Christopher Lord and Phil Miller. Yes. Or but Phil, that wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess it's all Disney. So I guess that's, that's, that's comparable too. But like, yeah, when they started doing that and being like, there's a limit to how much directorial influence can happen on a movie. It has to be basically our style. Things have started to flatten out and become boring since then in a lot of ways. And I think this is like a really direct rebuttal to that in that like, yes, it's a four hour movie. People who will say you should watch it like me, maybe don't even like it that much, but are still like everyone should watch. It's really interesting. Like that's that's an argument against that approach. And I think that I really hope that it's an argument they listen to, because like I do think all the best Marvel movies are the ones where they take the limiters off the director. I think this is one of the best DC movies because the limiters taken off. I mean, Aquaman is James Wan just doing whatever the fuck for two hours and it rules. Aquaman like, is so based and I don't know why people like people come at that movie the wrong way and like think it's like bad when it's like, no, you're supposed to watch it. Like it's like a fast and the furious movie. Like you're supposed to have yeah. fun. Like you're not, don't intellectualize this. Nicole Kidman eats like a fish out of a tank 10 seconds into the movie. Like, like let's like it's Willem Dafoe is wearing a speedo. Let's go. Shut the fuck up. There's a crab versus shark army, like fighting. Like, like if you're not, if, if you don't like that kind of content, that's fine. But like to claim that it's done, I it just, people are Patrick Wilson just way. screams <laughs> ocean master over and over yes again. come How on are you not watching this movie for me my big feeling about this movie leaving it even though it wasn't a perfect film was i had this feeling of optimism for the future uh years of our like entertainment because in the landscape right now everything we see is like commoditized to be able to look more similar and to be able to be produced faster. Every Netflix show is shot with the same camera and looks the same way. All of the Marvel films have the same kind of CGI, the same kind of structure of their films and the same kind of tone and everything just feels so samey. So to experience something from uh, from like a singular voice like Zach um, is, was just so refreshing and, and it shows, yeah, just like Aquaman with James Wan, you know, it's never going to be the feiges of the world that end up making good films it's the directors and if you give the directors the freedom to make the movie um and hopefully the success and the fan like the the, the fervor around this film lets more executives just le let these directors off the fucking leash because it works when you do that yeah totally uh ralph wiggum just said something that he just wants to see me play a supervillain. So I want to do a uh, uh, my audition for the Joker. Okay, let's go. Oh, wow, new Joker. Hey, Wait, new Joker. <laughs> pretend you're Batman and pretend you walk into the room. What are you doing there? <laughs> Riddle me this, Batman. I don't have time for games. It was a good sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> wow, guys. I think he's got wow. it. Wow. Well, yeah. How do you say no? 
How? Who says? What studio says no to this? What studio says no to the Joker doing a line from the Riddler? Who says <laughs> no? Who says no to that? What's uh, more, honestly, yeah. what's more twisted than just jacking the fucking catchphrase of a different villain in the same? Yeah, scene? yeah, yeah. Uh, ice to meet you, Batman. Uh, <laughs> Something oh, about a penguin. <laughs> Well, this this guy doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, Wait, yeah. the next Joker should just yeah do non-Joker lines. Uh, well, on that note, Sam, uh, obviously we know you stream at Twitch.tv/officialwkuk. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with our non-Twitch podcast listeners? Uh, I write for a show called Tig and Seek. Our second season just came out on HBO Max. Go check that out. So it's a good, it's a good yeah. starting. I would start out with the second season stuff, uh, and actually, the stuff I have written on hasn't come out yet. But like, check that stuff, this stuff out. It's good. Get in oh. now before people accuse you Get of in being now, a, yeah. a fake fan. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lux, I got nothing. You got anything? I do. Uh, this for fr- 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 Friday at seven p.m. Central. It's PWR or sorry, it's Party World Wrestling presents. PWR Guy Den Fourth Saga PW Noir Crimes of Bashin. It's our noir themed wrestling show this time around, and it's gonna be extremely weird. Wow. Um incredible. Uh well, on that note, that was Game Boys. This was the Snyder Cuts, and um we'll see you next week. Ooh. Uh okay, that's the podcast done. Uh, okay, chat. That was fun. Thank you guys for being on the show. Um, I'm gonna do. A, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a quick five minute break, chat, and then we'll be back with more fucking chum. See you in a sec. Bye bye bye. Wow. All right. Uh, I gotta run and finish editing this the show that's coming out on Friday. <laughs> so I'll see you guys later. Hey. Sam's gonna see you. Good to see you, Lux.